following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Tuesday Topics. I'm Paul Edwards, your host. And behind me is uh, a whole gaggle of guests in my panelist area. And we're talking about a topic that uh, last year we didn't talk about at all, which is how do you vote at an ACB convention, especially when, at least as things stand now, your constitution says you can't. So we're going to be talking about not only what the process was to create the opportunity to vote, but also about some of the intricacies of trying to put a system like that together. The folks who are here are members of the uh, voting task force. And the person who put this voting task force thing together is our president, Dan Spoon. And I'm going to ask him to begin uh, by telling us, A, why he put it together, uh, and B, what his thoughts were when he was doing it. And then we'll begin to hear from various members of the task force um, telling us about what they do and how they do it. So uh, his honor, the right honorable Dan Spoon, president of the American mm-hmm. Council of the Blind, you're up. Well, thank you, Paul. And I don't know about honorable, but it's a pleasure to be here this evening. And I think this conversation actually took root or or at least began to really get its wings at a Tuesday topics call <laughs> Several months ago, wasn't it? Last, last August. Yep. Last, last August, after the convention, where we said, you know, it would be wonderful if we could vote, uh, you know, in 2021. And we felt at that point in time, there was a, a real possibility that we would end up in a virtual convention again in 2021. And, and you know, here we are. And so uh, we really... Um, uh, promised to put together a task force uh, that was constituted at our uh, November ACB Board of Directors meeting uh, with uh, Pat Sheehan as the chair, Jeff Tom as the uh, vice chair or co-chair. And then we really wanted to get a group of uh, individuals uh, diverse from across our membership, some affiliate presidents, some members of our Constitution and Bylaws Committee, some members of our board, and just members of our organization who were really interested in the in the voting process and in some cases maybe were people who have not been long term members of ACB but are part of that new wave that has joined the organization in the last uh, year year and a half and so uh, we put the group together one of the real impetuses for us getting started was the fact that we are incorporated in the District of Columbia and the DC non-for-profit code um, uh, is, is our governing, our first governing document uh, since that is where ACB is incorporated. And the DC non 
for profit code was um, allowed by the the DC uh, governing body, the mayor, uh, and and the commissioners that make up the DC. Um, uh, city council were uh, really um, saw this kind of coming. A lot of non-for-profits are incorporated in D.C., and they actually put an emergency statute in place that allowed non-for-profits uh, to have their annual business meeting, which is really, although we call it a convention, from the legal standpoint, the driving document, the driving. Um, position there is that we are having our annual business meeting uh, each year during our uh, annual ACB conference and convention. And so what the mayor's office had put in place seeing the pandemic is the ability for uh, an emergency override uh, of the, and, and John McCann and Maria uh, Hansen and Christic and others can talk more about this, uh, but that was really the first thing that allowed us to look and see did we, uh, by our constitution and bylaws, with this emergency provision, have the ability to do voting at this uh, year's conference and convention? And we believe uh, that we'll have the task force go into that in more detail, but we do believe that we are in a position to be legal uh, and not in violation of our existing um, organizational constitution and bylaws to, to move forward with voting this year. And so, the committee really got together and did an outstanding job, and I'll let uh, Pat and Jeff and team talk more about that, but I just want to thank them for all of their hard work, and I want to thank our membership for really driving us to continue to adhere to our one of our founding principles inside of the American Council of Blind, which is that we are a democratic organization, and that means that each individual should have the right and the the privilege and responsibility to vote. So hopefully we're going to be able to honor that uh, pillar of our organization this year. So thanks for asking. Yep. So Mr. Patrick, since um, since you're the chair, and, and I guess, Jeff, if you'd like to chime in with part of this as well, as co-chair, feel free. Um, tell us about who's on your task force, what their responsibilities are, and how you guys decided to tackle what is, after all, a pretty major problem. I mean, it's one thing to say, um, you know what, um, I, we're going to be able to vote at this convention, but then you've got to figure out how to do it. And then you've got to figure out what the fairest way to do it is. And there are a whole bunch of issues that come up, which we will, which we will be discussing as time goes on. So tell us about your task force, Mr. Patrick. I will be happy to, Paul. It's good to be here. First of all, thank you for having me and the rest of the task force here. It's it's great. So, um, one I want to want to say the task force consisted of eighteen people, and it was a terrific task force. Everybody contributed. Uh, you get eighteen people together, particularly in ACB, uh, to get on mm -hmm. and to get stuff done. And this group was very good. They were very focused. They were very energized. Uh, everyone came up with great ideas. Everyone was respectful. And, and so I was really thrilled that it came together this, this well and everyone worked towards the common goal. We did come up with a good solution, a good product, and a good way to implement it. So I'm very pleased with the group. I, I want to go through them and thank them in a minute. But we had three tasks, really, that we needed to perform. The first, the first was to... Um, to establish that we had actual authority 
to go forward and, um, and do what we said we were going to do. So we needed to uh, bring in um, constitution experts, uh, John McCann, John Huffman, and Ray served in, the, in those functions. And so they did a great job. I also needed to, we also needed to talk about solutions, whether we were looking at manual solutions, uh, which we opted not to do. Uh, we wanted to look at um, uh, electronic solutions and we a few and then Maria Hansen and Maria Christic, uh, Maria Hansen, Maria K as we would affectionately call them, uh, not only had worked with a solution, but could speak to it through experience. And, and that was just fabulous. And then last but not, not least, uh, Connie mm -hmm. Sims has agreed to, to coordinate the outreach and the um, uh, community calls and the education piece of what we're doing. So, and trying to get all that stuff done over the holidays with five meetings, um, you know, it's a lot of work. Um, uh, members of the committee, just so we, we, everyone knows who, who is what, of course, Jeff, Tom, and we worked on this four or five years ago and Jeff has always reasoned and measured and, you know, uh, can't work with anybody nicer. Will Burley, uh, worked with GDY and, uh, was familiar with the vote now software. Ray Campbell, I used as far as, um, uh, on the constitution and bylaws, uh, did, held a couple of meetings really helped us be straight on that brian charleston what, what do we say about brian um so we'll be hearing from brian and uh, brian's recent approach is great michael garrett maria hansen as i've said john huffman on the constitution and bylaws maria christick john mccann another constitutional expert rick more thank you rick for being with us and Matt Selm from the uh, Next Gen Group. It's good to bring in new blood and, and, and see what we're missing, you know. And so that was important. And Connie Sims, uh, as I said, with outreach. On the staff side, we had Eric Bridges, Dan Spoon, Nancy Marks Becker, that who did a lot of work, and we'll, we'll sort of reference her role in this as we go forward. Uh, Clark and uh, Kelly Gast. And so and, uh, I think an excellent group that we put together, everyone contributed. Uh, I think uh, we got to hear from everybody and we, I think we put together a good project. So uh, Jeff, I, is Jeff? Jeff? He is here. Jeff, do you, yeah. do, you, do you have anything you want to add to, to, um, to Patrick's introduction? Mm -hmm. Jeff, maybe you could go through uh, our assumptions that we had with respect to the uh, the system. What were the? We had three or four general assumptions that we were going to. Okay, I'm happy to do that. So, um, and you were right. Everyone on that task force contributed something, and that's that's really what makes ACB so great. Is we have a talent, a, a just a plethora of of riches in terms of people's different abilities and um, capacities. It was great. So one of the things we wanted to do was make sure that the election that we held was consistent to the maximum extent possible with ACB's constitution, um, i.e. 
ACV uh, requires a secret ballot. Um, it requires a vote of its individuals. And it requires a, a non-secret ballot in terms of the vote of its delegates. And we wanted to make sure that we did not deviate from having a secret ballot vote of individuals and the secret ballot, I'm sorry, and a non-secret ballot vote of its delegates. That was probably the, the biggest uh, single um, thing that we wanted to make sure we did not change. We also wanted to make sure, for example, that we were able to have runoff elections because that's always been the way we do things in ACB is if one person doesn't get a majority, uh, you have a runoff until someone does. And so we wanted to make sure that we upheld that particular um, part of the election process. Uh, and of course, we had to make sure that we had, we respected the nominations uh, process that we've always had um, so that um, both of there would be a slate of nominees coming from the nominations committee and that there would be the ability to run from the floor. So um, those were the main principles, I believe, that we uh, attempted, and I think we have, as you ultimately hear, um, maintained in our election process for this year. So and Pat, I'll one turn thing, it back over to you. Thank, thanks, Jeff. And one thing I forgot to say is, you know, what what problem were we trying to solve? Well, the problem is that last year we held over our board of directors for one more year. So those were five people that we needed to vote. We've got a, a officers coming up this year. And uh, last year, of course, it was also Board of Publications. So this year, we have 13 offices that we need to, um, uh, that we need to vote on. Uh, we couldn't go another year without an election. We wouldn't have offices or a board if we came to next year with no, with no elections. It's not a very good way to run an organization. So the first thing we wanted to do is to make sure that we could do what we thought we could do, and we, so we turned to um, we turned to uh, to Ray and John and John, and uh, we have John McCann here to talk to us about where did the um, you know what is what authority are we using because we know what our constitution currently says. What does well authority to do last this? year right around. Uh, John McCann, go ahead. Go ahead, John. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, um, last year, right around this time, uh, and this was just when COVID had start, started to shut everything down, I had taken it upon myself sort of to write because I, I saw this whole issue coming, and I wrote basically um, a legal opinion to the board, but I did ask since I really don't want to be want to be of counsel to ACB as such, um, and it was run by uh, ACB's counsel, um, Matt Hanley. Uh, and I basically said for 2021, um, there was no possibility of voting because the, con the, uh, the code as it then existed, the D.C. nonprofit code, basically said, unless you provide for remote voting or vote 
for the internet or similar type platform, unless you provide for that expressly in your articles of incorporation or your uh, governing instruments, constitution and or bylaws by whichever name you call them, then you can't, uh, it's, it's off the table. You can't do it. Well, what got us out from under that as the COVID crisis dragged on, uh, and I forget when the first um, the first time it was done, it's been extended once and no doubt will be again because we're not out of the woods. Uh, the D.C., uh, what do they call themselves, the council, uh, the, the, you know, basically the, 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 the mayor's council that is empowered to enact statutes under home rule in the District of Columbia, basically put into the code an emergency provision saying notwithstanding the provisions of a nonprofit or any corporation's governing instruments, uh, given the exigencies of the circumstances that we're facing given COVID, that um, voting via uh, a platform such as Zoom or any, any similar type of internet voting is permissible or may be permitted, may be used. So that basically totally and blessedly uh, obliterated the analysis that I provided a year ago, which analysis was totally correct when performed, and the opinion was valid when issued, but it uh, turned it 180 degrees around. So um, once we were out from under the restriction that I cited in my um, March 25th document to the board, uh, it, it just became a matter, and it was a, a no small matter, to uh, investigate the logistics of how we could make the franchise available in the current circumstance. Thank you, John. So we wanted to make uh, this election um, similar to ACB elections. So the first component of an ACB election, uh, I think, and you guys can correct me because you know better than I do, are candidate pages that come out in May um, that are that are sort of overseen by the Board of Publications. Um, have you guys incorporated candidate pages and, and how have you done that? Oh, good question, Paul, but you're on the Board of Publications, so you wouldn't know the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> very well put, though. Dan, you want to rescue us on that one? Well, I'll be more than happy to let our board of publications director uh, lay that out. But uh, yes, I, I, I attend the BOP call, so I know the answer, but I'll let Paul be the, because I yeah. think the BOP has taken a really good, hard look at this and has an excellent solution in place. Right. So so we are going to do candidate pages and, and essentially we're, we're, we're going to try to publicize the candidate pages as much as we can, which will give folks who make the decision um, make the decision to run early uh, an opportunity to get to get their their positions out there early as well um, one of the things that we hope will happen uh, is that uh, is that by putting information up on the candidates page people will give folks a notion not only of, of what they what they stand for um, but also what they can expect when we get to uh, a candidate's forum, which the Board of Publications is still proposing to hold about three weeks before the convention. Because one of the concerns that all of us have had, I think, uh, uh, is that 
um, in the past, it, it has been very, very difficult um, to, um, to create a readiness for voting and a readiness for elections uh, before folks get to convention and start talking about stuff. So we're hoping that by doing the candidates' pages and the candidates' forum in advance, um, we will we will at least give people uh, a lot to put their get their teeth into before they ever get to convention. All right. So uh, anyway, th that's the first element. I guess the next element is the nominating committee who wants to talk about that. Brian is here. Out there to do that, Brian. Mr. Brian I'm here. Am I being heard? You are. Good. Okay. So, in fact, there's a little step in between there, Paul, and that's the certification of voters. Um, on July, I believe it's June 16th. Am I right, gentlemen? Yes. That the door closes. That's, that's correct. For that's the, date the validity of, of, yep. of uh, any member to have the right to vote. And it's important for people to understand that everybody who is a member will have the right to vote. You don't have to register for the convention to be able to vote. So there's no such thing as having to register and pay a registration fee, no poll tax involved. And that's part of the DC rules that John was referring to earlier, that all members need to have the ability to vote. So that will happen on the 16th. It'll take a little time after that door closes. And the company we've selected to handle the electronic voting will be sending out to every member uh, a personalized PIN number that they can use during the voting process. And I'll leave it to others to explain that. But two weeks prior to the convention, the nominating committee will meet in a Zoom meeting. This is the only meeting that ACB allows to be held behind closed doors, even if they're virtual doors. So at a particular hour, those who are present will be allowed to stay and we'll close the door for anybody else to join us. And we'll go through the same process virtually that we've done over the years on the first day or so of the convention. That is, people will be in a position to nominate people for each of these 13 offices. Uh, the individuals making the nomination will have to attest to the fact that they have permission from the person they nominate to do so. And there will be time set aside for speakers on behalf of each of those candidates prior to a vote being taken. Each affiliate, whether it be a large state affiliate or a large special interest affiliate, doesn't matter the size, whatever gets one vote in committee. Uh, we'll then uh, close that meeting. I'll report the results of that meeting to our president. We'll also be publishing that so that everybody knows who's running, giving people more time to consider whether or not they cho would choose to run for the from the floor, and also giving affiliates a chance to begin discussing among their members who they would like their delegate to vote for as we enter the election process proper. And on the first night of the convention, the president will invite me to give the report. I'll uh, indicate who was the nominee for each of these 13 offices and the necessary credentials that, that the Constitution requires, which includes whether, you know, 
how they're employed, and what state they reside in. So, because there's restrictions on how many people can run for office from a given state. And we decided many years ago that it was only a fair that we know whether or not the individual running has another, if you will, vested interest in the blindness system. Is this a person who runs a rehab agency and therefore might have an interest in that just as a part of the helping our membership be informed as they move forward. And then the election is turned over to the president to preside over. Mr. Bryan, thank you very much. Well, I, I, I have a question, um, but I think it's going to come up in the next segment when we start to talk about voting. But I'll put my question out there so folks can answer it. We say that we want all members to vote. One of the things we've discovered um, with ACB Radio is that we have a pretty substantial number of people who mm -hmm. listen to ACB Radio by phone and who don't have email. So one of my questions is, how do we outreach to those members? But we'll get there. So we have now reached the first night of the convention. Um, members will have had an opportunity through affiliate caucuses, if they happen, and through, uh, and through the, the, the caucus that, or, or the meeting that will be put together by the Board of Publications to get some notion of some of the candidates who are running. But this, of course, precludes any knowledge of those who might run from the floor. So who wants to take us through the first night? And um, how are we going to do that? How about, uh, Paul, how about we have Dan walk us through that? And then maybe we can follow that up by answering your question about what the software is that we'll be using and the characteristics of that software. Mr. Dan. Oh, all right. Well, thank you, Pat and uh, Paul. And uh, anybody, please chime in here as we kind of go through this. But a um, little different than we would normally do. Uh, again, part of our um, our goal here, our premise, was that with 13 elections and the time that it takes uh, to um, you know go through elections in a virtual uh, medium and uh, the number of elections that we're having that we really needed to kind of give ourselves the full breadth of the convention to hold elections. So uh, given that we have 13 coming up for this year. So the, the proposal is that uh, we would start with the first basically time we get together, which is opening session on Sunday night, the 18th of July. And we'll kind of have two things that happen early during the, the, the business portion of the, um, of the opening session. And that is we will approve the uh, standing rules for the convention, which will have the language uh, in the standing rules that was uh, adopted by uh, and kind of create, well, agreed to by the committee and, and John McCann was kind of our lead architect on that language that will go uh, in the standing rules. And then the second piece is we will have the nominating uh, committee chair, Brian Charlson, to give the slate of officers. We'll then kind of go through our normal um, uh, normal process of, you know, opening session with the, you know, with our, uh, you know, life members and roll call and, you know, all of the wonderful things that make up the uh, opening, opening evening. 
And then at the end of that, we will call for, um, you know, a, a candidates. Uh, we'll start with the, the first position, uh, you know, president and kind of go down and call for uh, nominations from the floor and, you know, go through our normal process. Uh, if anybody who's uh, participating, uh, you know, on the call with Zoom will have the ability to raise their hand and be recognized from the floor if they wish to put anybody else in nomination. So, Dan, just before yes. we get too far from it, yeah. uh -huh. um, you said slate of officers, but you really mean I all of the of, positions. I'm uh, slate right? of candidates. Yes, I apologize. Right. Yeah, you're, you're, right. oh. you're correct. C completely correct, Paul. It's the complete 13 slate. I just, just want to make sure yeah. that folks oh, yeah. understand that all, oh. all 13 positions uh, yes. will be a part of the nominating committee report, and they will be uh, the nominating committee report will 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 be delivered then, and and that's that's the list we're going from. Yep, yep, exactly. All all thirteen positions that are up for election. So misspoke. Thank you for thank you sure. for that catch. Sure. Uh, so we'll kind of start with president and go down. And the first time we get a contested election, then that will be announced to the body, and those candidates will be identified. And they will be our election that will be held the next day on Monday at our morning general session. So uh, affiliates, members will have the, the evening to, you know, discuss, caucus, whatever they wish to do related to the candidates that have been put into nomination. So then on Monday, we will start, you know, with our normal, you know, kind of welcome ceremonies at the beginning of Monday's general session. Uh, through our, do our kind of some of our basic business, and then we will uh, allow the candidates to give their give their speeches uh, for that particular position that's up being contested. Uh, we will then uh, wait probably about uh, this was su suggested by the presidents, and I think uh, when we met with the uh, the affiliate presidents, we're going to then kind of go on with the program for about 20 minutes. We will open up uh, in person the individual vote uh, through vote now, and again that's uh, they can everybody will speak into more detail of that. But the vote now system allows you to vote electronically, vote with phone on the keypad or vote with uh, assistance on the phone if you so desire. So there's three options uh, that are manned by vote now employees. So neutral employees, not members uh, of the staff or, or ACB. So individual voting will be done completely in secret with vote now personnel. And there's three options, either electronic vote through your uh, phone keypad or vote by by getting some personal assistance, and you will. Ha everyone will have a code that uh, makes their vote unique for them. What's, uh, what's the purpose of the twenty-minute delay? Well, the purpose for the twenty-minute delay was the affiliates uh, wanted uh, an opportunity, given it's in a virtual environment, to caucus their uh, caucus with their. Um, members after they heard the speeches. So they wanted some time there uh, to be able to gather and, and query their members, which I think it makes it more consistent because when we get to Friday, we're not going to have an evening for people to do that. So, so this way, it's not like we have plenty of programming activities to do during general sessions. So we'll probably present some angels or, uh, you know, some scholarships, you know, 
things, good, valuable things we can do to give everybody a, a, a moment of time to kind of gather their, their affiliate uh, consensus. And then we are going to ask that the affiliates with their delegates uh, or their alternate delegate uh, will have panelist invitations and they will have their own Zoom room where, which will be connected to general sessions. So we'll be able to hear their votes through the, um, you know, through the Zoom meeting and through ACB radio. But we're going to have them in a separate room so we can easily go through roll call without everybody having to raise their hand and go through the webinar and be recognized where they can go ahead and cast their vote. So that will happen uh, as part of the convention uh, while the individual vote, again, is continuing. And then at the end of general session with 30, uh, 30 minutes to go, so from the 1.30 to 2 o'clock Eastern time zone slot, we will announce the results of the convention, uh, the results of the convention, we'll announce the results of that particular election. And then we will go through, again, nominations for the floor down the slate until we get to the next contested election. And then that process will continue on uh, as we did on Monday for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then all remaining contests we will do on Friday. Again, a similar process, only we don't have a day in between. So we will, uh, you know, have the candidates give their speeches. We'll allow about uh, 20 minutes where we'll do some programming. We are saving some programming from our staff reports for that particular day of Friday. So we don't have dead air. Uh, and we keep everybody's attention. Then we'll do the affiliate vote. Uh, we're expecting to have the election for vote now open about an hour. Uh, so this will give people plenty of time to vote. Uh, and then we'll announce the results of that election. And then we'll go on to the next one and kind of continue that. We hope, we're hoping to get through five or six elections on Friday. And we are also working with Janet to announce that we are going to plan for a runover day on Saturday, just in case we have a whole lot of interest and we don't get through all the elections on Friday. I think it's uh, important that we, we let everybody know from a contingency planning standpoint that Saturday may also be an election day if we need it. So, so that's kind of the process. So let me, let me ask just one question. Sure. About the process. What is the number of hours that the polls will be open, as it were, on the other days? Well, it will be, uh, it, it's going to be a standard of an hour. We, we are, uh, vote now is suggesting to us that perhaps the first day, and, and we have up to two hours during general session, we may keep it open for two hours the, the first day just to let people get familiar. What Vote Now has shared with us is our members will get much more comfortable voting by the time they've done two or three elections than they will the first time. You know, so we're, get, we're allowing a little more time for the first election, not, you know, just to make sure that everybody... Uh, you know, is able to get their vote cast. But we really believe that uh, as we move along through the week, everybody will get much more efficient. We've seen that in our state and special interest affiliate elections that were held this year. Um, as we moved along through the process, people got much more used to, uh, you know, how, how to cast their vote. Much more comfortable. Very good. Yeah. Thank mm -hmm. you, Dan. Sure. So, 
let's try to um, drill down a little bit more. Um, I guess that that uh, Maria Christic and and Maria Hansen are the two vote now experts. They are that. <laughs> so, would you guys like to talk to us about vote now, how it works, and and how it's going to be applied in this particular election? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'll start. This is Maria Kay. So first, uh, I want to give the um, note that if any of those of you who are listening, either live or via podcast, uh, or GDUI members, members of ACB's Guide Dog Users Inc. affiliate, Vote Now is the exact same system that we have been using in GDUI for the past several years, so you will be quite familiar with it. And that's where both Maria H. and I have some um, successful experience with it. So, um, you know, first, I just want to underscore, you know, when we were in the process of deciding which software we were going to go with, um, we, you know, really took the accessibility piece seriously. We were looking and also the fact that, um, as was, uh, as Paul, as you pointed out, pointed out earlier that, you know, a lot of our members don't have email access. So um, we looked at a few pieces of software and others got ruled out, whether from an accessibility standpoint or from the standpoint that you had to vote electronically and couldn't telephonically and such. So we really did try to come up with um, the, the best solution for our members. Um, so how this works, um, as was mentioned, you uh, members, you'll get a unique voter ID prior to the um election um i i'm not sure uh dan if you can speak to this more after i know there was um some talk and because in g in gdui um in in that case vote now sends the information um either via email to those who have an email address uh and also via a postcard i know there was some uh discussion about possibly acb being able to send out the information in uh, braille as a format to people but i'm not sure um what happened I, with that i can speak to that a little bit sure so. yeah why don't you do that and yeah, then i can continue. Yeah, yeah. If you think uh, at least, um, and I'll call it a kind of a supervisor of elections position, but typically uh, Nancy Marks Becker, our chief financial officer, is kind of, well, she's not kind of, she is the person who uh, during our voting each year kind of holds several functions. So one, she kind mm -hmm. of, uh, she 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 basically makes sure that you know when we're having one in person the doors are closed that we're ready to go uh, she has a group of volunteers that distribute the ballots that make sure the ballots get collected properly she then has a team that counts the ballots and then adds up the um the affiliate roll call vote and then and once those two pieces are added together, she then is the person who reports out the results of the election as a neutral body, kind of Switzerland. Uh, you know, this was the affiliate vote, this was the individual vote, and this was the total vote. So we've asked Nancy to continue to play that role because vote now will not be involved in the affiliate roll call vote. That'll be, you know, uh, done internally by ACB. So Nancy will add up that vote. She'll then get the results from vote now, add those two together and report the overall results. So she'll kind of play that supervisory function there. Not involved in the in the individual vote at all, but but you know, tallying up the two totals. The second role she's going to play is she's the uh, master, her and Sharon Lovery are the people with the credentials committee that basically certify that this is our, these are all the members in good standing as of June 16th. So she will be the one 
that sends to vote now the list of all of the current valid members of ACB. So she's going to take that role uh, to send that information to vote now uh, for them to then generate the codes for each individual. The third area that we're still working through because it's very important with ACB and our principals to have uh, accessible formats for these voting codes that vote now will be able to the way they normally work is they send out an email to anyone with an email giving their voter code or if people do not have emails they send a postcard just a regular size postcard with the voting code on it and uh, our the the task force and and our board of directors really feel like if at all possible we would like to send those codes in accessible format so nancy uh is still working with vote now to see if they are going to have the ability to send braille or large print uh they haven't come back with a definitive answer yet but if not then Nancy will work with them. Uh, they'll generate the codes. She'll she'll put that uh, in, in braille or large print if requested, and and mail that to 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 those members. Um, so that's kind of her that's kind of her third role. So those will be the three roles that she kind of plays as our supervisor of elections. So okay, yeah. All right. Thank you, Dan. So sure. more to come on that. Very yeah. good. Okay. So let me, just before we move on, because we've gotten questions about these codes and concerns from people about these codes and if they're, you know, susceptible to people, you know, pretending to be someone else and using the codes and such. Um, so these codes are going to be, you know, I don't know how many characters in this case, because ACB has, you know, lots more voters than GDUI, but, uh, you know, maybe something like an eight digit code or something similar, eight character. Um, and they're not consecutively generated. So each person's code is going to be randomly generated. So while we can't say it's zero, I would say pretty confidently that it's you know quite unlikely that someone could guess your code and impersonate you and try to vote as you. Um, so how it works um, just on a practical level based on the, the GDUI experience, the email will come from Vote Now and it will contain a direct link to the online ballot should you wish to vote electronically. And it will also contain separately the code uh, and the phone numbers to call if you wish to use the touch tone option or the voice uh, option, meaning speaking to a vote now representative, as discussed earlier, those are your three uh, options. So in terms of the electronic, uh, the uh, ballot is a web page compatible with, um, we've tested it with all sorts of web browsers and screen reader combinations, um, you know, on your uh, PC or Mac with um, uh, Edge, uh, the Chrome-based Edge and Google Chrome and Firefox with, we've tested, you know, with JAWS and NVDA on the Mac with Safari and VoiceOver on iOS with Safari and VoiceOver. Um, not sure if we've had specifically an Android tester, but I can't imagine that it would not work. Um, so it's a pretty accessible um, web page. It uh, has in term and i apologize my my puppy here is um making her presence known um but uh in terms of the actual format of the ballot they are check boxes so it's just um it's a regular web page with instructions and then you have um check boxes to select each option or an abstention option for each candidate and then you have the option to enter in your name and email address which if you do enter i'm sorry just your email address and if you do enter your email address you will be sent um a, 
if you choose a confirmation of your submission. So not the confirmation won't state who you voted for, but it would state that you did vote um, and you are able to review. So once you click, um, you select your options, you click on a, uh, I think it says like review submissions or something like that. And then you do get to see the choices that you've made. And then you click um, a final submit button and receive a confirmation page that you've submitted your ballot and you have an opportunity to provide any kind of comments, um, which do go, which would come to ACB. The comments would come to ACB um, regarding your election experience experiences um and then i i haven't personally um rage you might have something to add i haven't personally tested the other two options i know i've heard from um GD, some GDUI members that if there's been if they've tried to use like the touch tone system um if there's been some kind of like a i guess noisy environment or something that sometimes that's interfered with the registering of the um of the the options so sometimes people have used again that voice um option but you know it's a matter of however people feel comfortable casting um a private secure and independent vote and so to to just um even you know what dan was saying about if ACB is possibly going to be somehow involved in alternate format production of the codes and things like that. I want to just emphasize that ACB does not see how an individual votes um, in terms of the uh, the ballots cast by a vote. Now, they can check based on what we have been able to do with GDUI. They can check to see if someone has voted, if an, meaning if a certain voter um like they can you know put in someone's email address and see if that email address has cast a vote um you know based on the the voter id but they're not going to um see how someone voted and um at least in terms of the again this might change in terms of the alternate format production but i know with gdui we never got access to the ids we could email the ids out not manually but through the system we could initiate an emailing once of an id to a person if they'd forgotten it um but we could never see those ids and we again we can't see we couldn't see how a person voted and usually if if uh say if the person didn't have email and such and they'd forgotten their ids we would direct them to contact vote now to obtain those ids again just emphasizing that you know third party managing um the election so you know we anticipate that it would uh, work in a similar way here and so um just to close in terms of my um bit you know we've been quite happy with uh vote now um gdui we've had a pretty good turnout i think close in the upper 40s of percentage wise voting so you know we hope that this will encourage um all of you to vote uh in acb in a bit of a different way um we we think you will be um pleased with what you experience and i know um i think we will be running some kind of um either trainings or some sort of mock election or some such others can possibly speak to that um before the actual time to vote to help members to become familiar with it um but again it is quite an accessible uh system so um Maria H, do you, is there anything you'd like to add a couple of things we love the system this is going to be our seventh year working with vote now and um our, our members are able to vote independently, privately, securely, and the system's universally accessible, um, including also deafblind uh, members. Um, so that's pretty awesome. The last several years, I think the average uh, membership, uh, percentage of our membership that's actually voted has been around 44%. And the votes have sort of 
um, divide it halfway um, or down the middle, half electronically, half telephonically. The electronic, as Maria says, is great because if you get the email with the link, you just click on the link and you're brought to the ballot and you don't have to enter so many numbers and, you know, whatever uh, there. Um, it is going to be important to um, get all your members to make sure they have a current valid email address on file, and that's the easiest way to do it. If a person is having issues or didn't get the voter ID, as Maria said, there's somebody designated at Vote Now who can help them. They can uh, tell them <clears throat> their ID, and, and they can help people vote if if they're having issues. Um, so so what would prevent me, Paul Edwards, from calling Vote Now and saying, um, let's see, I'm Brian Charlson and I, I need my uh, ID? Well, for one thing, they're going to check to see if Brian Charlson has voted. Um, and they they would probably ask him sort of personal information. They would look to see probably caller ID, what phone number he was calling from. Well, um, let's assume I know all of those. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm guessing that it's not 1,000% foolproof because, uh, you know, we did have this issue. The reason we went to vote now is people meddled in a GDUI election and yep. one gentleman pretended to be somebody else and somebody else then went to the voting company and interfered. So we are very sensitive to this. Um, I uh, don't know, Maria, before I go further on, do you have a, something to add? On, I mean, I just don't think it's yeah, I, I I don't have any, you know, I can't, like you said, Marie, I mean, you know, it's not like they know what someone's voice sounds like. You can't say it's no. you know, 100% secure. Um, but, you know, I think, I mean, they have, this company has been, you know, running elections for other, I, I can't tell you any of the, the client names off the top of my head, but, um, you know, based on their website and, and how much they charge and such, like they're pretty experienced in this and it is the um, election are you know auditable so if uh they did have to be audited i mean they're verifiable so um you know while we can't say a hundred percent that you know foolproof um i think i mean as far as i know in terms of the gdui i don't think or we haven't heard of any you know irregularities or anything like that um you know so i guess you know i while I can't be a hundred, you know, percent positive that nothing like that is going yeah. to happen, I think they have it hopefully as much under control as as they can. I would say. So yeah, either I did a great job I of impersonation, or I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, I, Maria here, I would say that Brian Charlson is not going to take this sitting down, and if he tries <laughs> to vote and finds out that That's somebody, true. he's going to know who it was, and oh, really? he's going to call them now. <laughs> yes, he will now. <laughs> he will now. That's what I'm saying. And he's going to call the voting company and it's going to get rectified. Yeah. Well, now, I, can I address a question to Dan real quick? Sure. Um, Dan, now this isn't to address the fraud issue, but aren't we planning, and, and if I'm wrong, you can just laugh me out of this building. Aren't we planning to have... Um, uh, staff, I, I guess, probably Nancy, but have 
code so that people can no. call on the day of the election? Or how are we going to, are we keeping them with? Well, um, Nancy, I think Nancy has that role with vote now. So she's going to be kind of our connection with them. So however they want to do it, she's the one who has the database with all the valid people. So, um, you know, we've, we've kind of talked through that with vote now of how they want us to, uh, to handle that. But I, I think of Nancy as almost an extension of this process in that she knows ACB and she knows our membership and she knows the membership database. And so, and she's the one who's been the supervisor of our elections for at least the last five years. So, you know, she, she'll have that role to kind of work with vote now if people are questioning whether they, you know, they've lost their, you know, lost their code or, yeah, you know, are they a valid one. member and all that. So she's, she's, she's going to play that role with, I, I think as much as possible, we'd like it to go through vote now and then, then ask, you know, Nancy for verification, but however, you know, it, I think it's up to them to kind of work that process out because okay. we're kind this of is, unique this is Maria yeah. just oh I'm sorry yeah go, go ahead. ahead yeah sorry I just wanted to add to you know no election you can't say 100% that you've you know I can think of even you know the in-person election where we have the you know ballots and people tearing off the corners and maybe someone accidentally you know their ballot didn't make it into the box or something and it ended up on the floor I mean you know they don't even have names associated but it's just you know, there things can happen, I suppose, you know, irregularities with any kind of election, there is the possibility. And I think we just have to look at it as to whether it's been made as, you know, secure as possible. And I think the fact that these, this company, you know, could pass an audit if required, I think is, you know, uh, from where I stand anyway, a sufficient, you know, comfort level. And yeah. we will, and I'm sure we'll certainly publicize the manner in which someone who right. has lost their code can get it on the day of the election. Oh yeah, oh sure. And what our members have done is, is, is call vote now. Uh, you know, right. we've given them that information and connected. Or sometimes we'll act by as a go-between. The person will have one or two people that are managing running the election within our organization. If someone has a problem, they call them. And that person will call vote now and say, would you contact this person they've lost? So we still don't know their numbers or their personal information, but we might just do the follow-up to make sure that vote now connects with, with that person. Um, so some, just, just to cross eyes and dot, and, or, and dot T's as it were, mm -hmm. um, yeah. vote now has a toll free number. Um, I think it's toll free. Free. I'm trying to remember now that phone rates have changed. Um, uh, I think I'll have to. I think it is toll. It is toll free. It is toll free. Very good. Um, and then um, one thing: our our election goes on for nine days each year. It's a different type of election. And as I say, we don't see how people have voted or whatever. But and I don't know. And since the ACB votes are going to be shorter in duration, but we do see at the end of the day what percentage of people have voted. You know, so as that goes up, we're seeing and and we all get real giddy when we've reached quorum um, in each day. So so we'll see the percentage of the membership that's voted, and and that's really kind of exciting. 
Um, this is this is Maria. So I just pulled up because I'm a I'm apparently just this massive email hoarder. Um, I have yeah. my my email from Vote Now from the last GDY election. So um, to answer the question, so what it does, it'll say your and then whatever. So say like ACB voter ID 2020 election. Um, in the GDUI case, it was an eight um digit uh code, and so it shows. So you know, the, with ACB having many more voters it might be even longer um and it basically it, it you know explain it, it shows your address at the top and then it will say you know that uh whatever you know the board is asking you to vote on you know such and such positions whatever the notice text is that ecb is going to put there and then yes it gives the code it gives then a um to vote over the internet, click here link. Um, then it gives the automated um, touch tone phone, at least in this case, it's an 855 number. So it's nice. toll free. Yup. And then, yes, um, and, yep. And then it says if you'd prefer, uh, and then uh, they give the web address if you want to type in the code um, manually, the, the link that you enter. And then if you want to speak to a vote now representative to vote by phone, that is an 844 number. So again, nice. that's toll free. Um, they give the hours, but uh, you know, that wouldn't necessarily apply here since the elections would be shorter and um and then it just says you know who in in the organization to contact if you have questions about the elections and then it gives also the support at vote-now.com um or there's a live chat facility as well if you want to speak with vote now as other support options and it tells you at the bottom that vote now is acting as the elections agent and um you know while you're receiving this mail and such so that is essentially the structure that gives Very the address good. of vote now at the end and so that is essentially and there's the logo of the organization and that's essentially the format of the email thank <laughs> the you the other Maria. thing yeah, is yeah. you if you you have the option only online to add comments uh, on your experience if you want and you can uh, do that anonymously or you can put your name to it and that uh, for us went back to GGUI. So I don't know if that's going to happen with ACB. If if people can say, you know, it worked really smoothly, it did this, but I, I, you can get feedback. And I think, again, we're really encouraging everybody. We know there's a certain percentage of folks that, that will use the phone option, but we would like people to at least, as they turn in their membership for this year, or even go into members at acb.org and add their email addresses. If we can get email addresses, even if people would feel more comfortable actually voting by phone or with some assistance by mm -hmm. phone, if they provide us their email, we can give them their code electronically, which is just mm -hmm. much more reliable than sending it through the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. So the more people we can get to th that will provide their email addresses, I would really like to encourage, encourage that to your listeners tonight, Paul, uh, the better I think we'll the process will flow. Excellent. And, okay. and, and just to be really clear, what we're talking about here is the standing vote. That is the one man, one vote thing that ACB right. does at, at, at every one of its conventions in the past where, where everybody is supposed to stand up, well, is supposed to um, use the secret ballot um, over the last few years. But essentially, um, it's one man, one vote. And that's what this, that's the system we're talking about now. And that's so part of the system, uh, yeah. it's made up of, it's called a record vote when it's a combination of one person, one vote plus affiliate 
votes based on one vote for every 25 people in your affiliate um, or the greater part thereof. So if you have a multiple of 25 plus 13, then you get one more vote, that kind of thing. I wanted to, speaking of numbers a little bit, to clarify something. Again, this is Brian, if you don't remember voice. And that is that with an eight-digit code, there are 10 million possible variations in an eight-digit code. So I think it's highly unlikely that the code we're going to be using is going to be more than that eight-digit code. I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. And it is randomized. The other thing is, uh, and they're speaking to a guy who lost his first uh, nationwide election at ACB by one vote. But that's an extremely rare occurrence, extremely rare. So if one person even accidentally votes and blocks somebody else from voting by accident, it's not likely to modify the outcome of the election. Uh, statistically speaking, that's, that's about as rare as, as hen's teeth. So I don't think there should be any concern by anybody that uh, the validity of the outcome is going to be affected by the nature of the technology that we're using. So yep. the last component of the process was uh, is outreach and education. And so for that, we turn to Connie Sims. Maybe well, we can have... Yeah, we're going to go back after that because okay. I want to talk about affiliates and caucuses. So, all right. Um, but, but Connie, tell us about outreach. Thank you, Paul. Um, so, yeah, we've been trying to do as much outreach as possible. Um, so, we got your show tonight. Dan and Pat and I did uh, advocacy update today podcast with Clark. Um, on March 28th, we will be on Sunday edition with Anthony. And then he plans on having us back a few more times um, when it gets closer to the election conference. And then on April 9th, we will be on visibilities with Terry. And then once we get through like the main show here, we are going to... Um, start doing community calls and we're going to have community calls different days of the week and then different times so we'll have some in the morning afternoons evenings so we can as reach as many people as we can possibly reach we have listed um a task force recommendations on the website of acb we plan on working um with bop and using their resources um, with dots and dashes, we're gonna have it on so all the social media sites with Facebook, um, <clears throat> Twitter, all of that good information. Then we're gonna have it on ACB radio. Um, Dan is gonna put something in uh, his message in the Braille forum. There is actually a article for the Braille forum on it. So it's a lot of different aspects. More we can do, and then one of the things. Uh, Dan and Pat did was they met with the state affiliates as Dan had talked about earlier and we are really encouraging the state affiliates and the special interest affiliates to reach out to us and invite us if it's just a couple of us or this great group because we're all in everyone's been great together um, visit with their affiliates and ex help explain 
um, because each affiliate is different. I mean, here in South Dakota, I would say majority of my people are going to use the phone. Um, so, and a majority of them have probably never voted before. So I think it's a huge thing for each affiliate to know the presidents are going to know their members most of all. So whatever works for them is probably what we really need to talk to them about. So that's kind of where we're at with outreach. Thank you so much. So, so let's go back for, for a minute. Um, th the second part of the vote that we do um, is, is perhaps the most controversial um, part of the vote. That is the affiliate vote. And, and it, historically in ACB, I think it would be fair to say um, that mm, perhaps particularly special interest affiliates, so there are state affiliates where this is probably true as well, um, there, was, there was a good deal of politicizing and not much outreach to the members of affiliates to determine how they wanted whoever was casting the affiliate vote to vote. Um, and, and, I, and I think there has been a kind of a general feeling within ACB uh, over the past many years that, um, that the, the affiliate vote, um, that the affiliate vote uh, is, is a little more suspect than, than the general vote. Um, let, let me stop for a second and see if guys on the task force would agree with that. Uh, yes, um, up to a point because this is Jeff, because, you know, let's face it, you know, um, it, we cannot control how affiliates decide to cast their delegate votes and, and shouldn't they're, they're, and shouldn't that's right they're affiliates that decide to vote their unit rule which means the way the majority votes gets all the delegate votes there are other affiliates who really work hard to look for, at least for how the people at convention are voting and then there are others who even do their best to find out how the folks at home will tie into it. So it varies, and then there are those who do nothing. So it varies all over the lot. Yep. Anybody else want to make a comment before before I go on? <laughs> okay. Uh, Paul, um, uh, just yes. if you could address this, because it's come up in, an, it came up in our community uh, event call by multiple members uh, after the board meeting when uh, we got together. And that is for a lot of our newer members, they don't quite understand that they're, they know they're a member of ACB, but now they've joined BITS, they've joined Lua, and they've joined Next Generation, and they're right. also in Tennessee. And so they keep saying, well, do I get four votes? Do I get five votes? And we've tried to explain that you get one individual vote and then you get a representative vote through each of those affiliates. But it would be really good to explain that to a lot. We've got so many new members and so many people that are going to be involved uh, really for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you're, you're perfectly right. Thank heaven. I don't have to explain the Florida situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is far more complicated, you guys. Believe me, it is. Um, but in ACB, the answer is really you have five votes. The, the number of special interest or state affiliates of which you're a valid member at the time of elections um, 
gives you the right to cast a vote in each of those places. However, the real question and, and the reason we're stopped here is I don't know how state affiliates and how special interest affiliates plan to handle the relatively short period of time they have um, for um, for getting input from their members or whether they'll seek a way of getting input from their members based on those people who have identified as running prior to elections um, and work on it that way. We have some state affiliate presidents on this call. John, you're still president in Arizona. Have you guys decided what you're going to do? Not exactly my thought. What I'm going to urge uh, my board to uh, sign on to is, and I suppose I understand from Jump Street that there are issues of technology equity involved here, but um, you know, people in this state know or will certainly be told my text number and my email address. I'm going to invite them once uh, you know if we haven't made decisions on uh, uh, you know how we feel prior to the election actually being held let's say somebody comes out of the woodwork and decides to run and we have to reconsider a position we may have taken <clears throat> I'm going once the clock starts I'm going to invite people to reach out to me and I will apportion the votes so so that the affiliate vote cast by Arizona will will mirror um, the, uh, the the closest percentage possible to the feedback that I've gotten from my members. Now, you're not going to know what your, your, your standing vote was in Arizona, whereas you would probably know that um, at the convention, where you have the potential to know that at the convention, maybe. Well, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I take it back. The, the way we handled that, and I, we, we never had the occasion to, we, we, I did this back in my Virginia days, okay? Um, we, we presumed that everyone had a sufficient number of coins on them. And so if you wanted person A, put a penny in this cup. If you wanted right. B, put, put a nickel in that we would just yeah. count. I don't know who put what coin in the cup, but we yeah, just we use We used the same approach in Florida. Brian right. Charlson, what, how's Massachusetts going to handle it? That's a good question. So, a couple of things. One is that in, when we were meeting physically, the delegate would walk down our row and touch the shoulder of each person there and ask them how they wanted the vote to be counted. Yep. Uh, not a private way, but a quick, quick way to do it. Yep. Um, now, it's our, it was our expectation that we would... Uh, encourage all of our members to contact our delegate and give the delegate's phone number, cell number, so that they can put in, if they're interested, who they would like to have the ballot cast for. And then we would divide it. Um, I think the narrower the window, the harder that is to achieve. Yes. Um, it was my understanding until this evening that the following the nomination from the floor that each candidate would get a chance to have their speaker speak at that time. And then there would be sufficient time between then and the next morning 
on all days except Friday for people to contact their delegate before their delegate was called upon to give their delegate vote the next morning. If that has changed, it changes the dynamic I'm talking about, because now we're talking a 20 minute window um, for people to communicate with their delegate in this fashion prior to the delegate casting their vote. So I'd be interested in in an answer myself there. It'll make my life a lot easier. Ryan, you were correct. We were gonna give the speeches the night of, which would give so, the full evening. Yeah, so that so works for every day but Friday. Yeah. Has that right. has that changed, Dan, or 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 well, we, I, it was mentioned at the president's call. There were two things that were mentioned. One was, could we give the, the, the five-minute speeches the, the night, of, the, the day of the nominations? And then the second was, could we allow for some time before the affiliates would vote? Um, I, I, the, the speeches the night before, I, I would love to continue to get input from everybody tonight. I've heard folks on on both sides of that issue um true uh it does you get to hear the speeches a, a night before for for the first four elections but then all other elections it's going to be more rapid fire there's the nominations right. there's the speeches and then there's the vote so now you're kind of creating two different ways you're doing the voting some people did not like that they wanted it to be consistent throughout the election um the second, uh, you know, the second thought uh, that people have shared with me is there's, uh, you know, uh, people are there uh, in the morning at the start of general session. They would get to hear the speeches. If we do the speeches the night before, we're just going to announce the candidates and start the vote. So some people felt like we would get better um, better participation of hearing the speeches if they were done uh, that morning, uh, you know, uh, prior to the vote. So I, I'd love to get some feedback. The other side of that, it does give the affiliates a little longer to do it, but it's, um, you know, something they've never uh, had before. And, and then it's, we've got two different processes. And so people were a little worried about the equity of that. So um, Why? I don't think anything's carved in stone yet. We can make that, you know, we, we need to reach a decision, but I would love to get input from our members here over the next uh, month or so, which way they would right. prefer. Yeah. Why don't we, sorry, uh, Maria, one second. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's nothing that would preclude you from replaying the speeches the next morning. Mm -hmm. That's true. It would, uh, it would only, it would be a matter of just from a technical standpoint, somebody recording in them and turning it around and getting it ready for the next, uh, for yeah, the next but, day. But, yeah. but that's pretty doable. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that, that, that's a possibility too, but for those first four elections. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, Maria Hansen. Yeah. A question. How does this dovetail with the individual votes, is this occurring at the same time where the individual is voting vote now and then they've got to be contacting their affiliates? Are these different times of day? Because um, that, that could be very complicated and confusing. Yeah. You know, people are still trying to make the phone calls to vote now and, 
and that might be their priority rather than consulting with their affiliate. Well, and, when and, it comes to and, GDUI, does not GDUI have both the individual no. vote and affiliate votes? Did they take out the affiliate votes? Yes, you're, this is... Go, Go ahead, Maria. I'm sorry. We took out the affiliate vote for anything other than business at the ACB convention where we where GDUI might want to have a position on uh, take a position on something coming before ACB. So in terms of GDUI matters themselves, no, there is no affiliate vote since it is accessible to every you know individual. Um, you know, the thought the affiliate vote right was constructed on the intent that for those who right back in the day when people couldn't make it to convention and say would be represented in some way if you know they couldn't vote um, in person but with gdui since everyone can potentially does have that ability to vote um you know no matter where they are um we took out the affiliate vote for for GDUI. yeah i think this is a brian question but i'm not sure so if it isn't let me know um but but we one of the things that the acb constitution says uh, is that for an individual to win an election, he has to receive 50% plus one of the votes that are uh, available from those present in voting. Um, and, and so my question is, what do we do if there are three or four people running for a particular office and nobody receives a majority? John, in our standing rules that you've drafted, what's the response to that? Well, we didn't cover that in standing rules. The only mod to standing rules that we've made, okay, is to say that we're not the standing rules. Uh, or, or no, I'm wrong here. The Constitution was what what spoke to um, uh, the bylaws speak to a paper ballot for the individual vote. And obviously, since we're meeting virtually, we can't do paper. So the standing rule will indicate that we are suspending that portion of the bylaw uh, that requires a paper ballot. Because without that. So it does not indicate yeah. that in the case of three people running, if none we of the three receive 50% or plus one, do you right. drop off the bottommost one? That's correct. Or That's it, four, do you only do the top two? Where is that rule? The yeah. top two. We've already, I distinctly recall an election. As a matter of fact, it was the election to backfill my directorship seat when I uh, was, uh, was successfully ran for the vice presidency when Donna, uh, excuse me, I still call her that one, Marlena, um, uh, you know, for health reasons, did not run in 2015. So in Dallas, when I ran uh, unopposed, as it happened, for the vice presidential slot and was successful in getting it, there was a four-way with Jeff Bishop, Dan Dillon, Fred Scheigert, and Doug Powell. So we've had experiences with four, you know, four. Uh, right. So uh, and I but, think but what my we, question uh, is, where what is we the rule sure. that says which thing do you do? You drop the last two and you, you, you know, you go where, with the top. Where, where, where what, what is we, the uh, rule? I'm not understanding then, I guess. What? What, what I Where what is I that rule that's it's a very straightforward yeah, question. Is it in yeah, the here, here's what I is it in the standing rule? What what I yeah. asked the uh, the recommendation from the the task force was that we we add some language to the standing rules. I don't know if you saw this yet or not, John. I apologize if you hadn't. Was I that, don't think I have that we that we basically say that also we adhere to to kind of 
current accepted practices. And we identified three areas because these kind of differed a little bit from the from the DC code. Um, and the three the three current accepted ACB practices were one that we would not have write-in ballots. Yes. Uh, two um, that if a candidate run, ran unopposed, no one else was nominated from the floor, that a voice vote uh, could um, uh, allow them to be, um, you know, accepted by acclamation. Well, that's what and we do now anyway, right? We do, but the the pure rules says that, you know, you either have to do elections one way or the other, you know, okay. either through okay. ballot or through voice okay. vote. And then the third was that if there was more than more than two people running, then the top two candidates would be in a runoff election because that's been our standard that's, practice. That's what so, we've done. Yeah. And it's what so, we should continue to do. Our constitution, yeah. I'm not. I don't know that our constitution says 50% plus one. It simply says majority, which I guess you could define as 50% plus one. Um, but but we, our constitution, we it would, I think, yeah. uses the term majority. It must be a majority, which means you can't have a plurality. You have a three-way, and there's one person who gets 45, and one person gets 36, and the other gets 29. I'm yeah. trying to do the math in my head. So you take the 45-vote percentage guy, and he's he's elected. No, that's... Yeah, and, and, and that's right. and, and that's why I don't want to get too much in the weeds here. But yeah, right. I think the the uh, the kind of the ele- not the way we have done it so, historically uh, is mm-hmm. is that we we go to the top two. I think the but, way Robert, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, my, yeah. But 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 what we need to do for everybody who's listening mm-hmm. is to put this election in into the timeline. So we, we've we've had the two votes tallied that is the affiliate vote and the standing vote have been tallied mm-hmm. there are three people running and there is not a majority what happens after that right so if it's 40 percent for candidate a 31 for candidate b and 29 for candidate c then uh candidate c would be dropped off and the top two uh would then run in a runoff election and then we would when would that occur that would be occur as the next election because we don't have the ability to do two in one day. It, so it will be under general the, session. It, it will operate under the same rules same and rules. with the same procedures as right. operate for uh, elections where there are, where there are only two candidates. Correct. So if, if it right. happened on Monday, it would go to Tuesday. If it happened on Friday, it would just be the next election with the runoff. Keep in mind. If we have a lot of these, that's why we have Saturday as a spillover day. Saturday is an extra day. And I guess I just want to say, I don't know whether this is politic to say it, but I'm not running for anything this year, so I'll risk it. You know, to those in our uh, ACB family who have somehow mistakenly taken the position, why don't we have um, uh, remote voting? This, This should be a simple, you know, easy does it. A non-problematic thing to do. At least this discussion is hopefully enlightening them or edifying them as to the challenges involved. It's something that we should do. I'm glad that we're doing it. I can't emphasize that enough. But for anyone who believes that it was a simple thing to accomplish, I would. I am happy to disabuse them of that notion, and I hope this conversation that we've just had illustrates that. Thank this you, John. Okay. Oh, sorry. 
Maria, I'll, I'll recognize you in just a second. Sure, no what problem. I want, what I want to say to Rick is uh, I'm going to uh, encourage people to raise hands. So if you want to go through the process of telling them how to do that, um, I want to allow some time for questions from those people who stuck with us for the last hour and a half. Sure, Paul. Uh, if you are on a PC, you can do Alt-Y to raise your hand. On the telephone, it is star nine. And if you're on a, a uh, smartphone, there's a raise hand button in the middle of the screen that you uh, ought to be able to tap on. So uh, please raise your hand accordingly. And so, Maria Christick, while they are raising your hands, make your point. Yeah, yeah and Maria H. After her. Yeah, I thought Thank I cut you. you off. I'm sorry. That's, no, you didn't. <laughs> okay. Um, just too quickly, I wanted to point out too. What's nice thing about remote voting um, is that it does bring us um, more in compliance with the provision of the DC code, which the ACB is incorporated in Washington DC, and hence um, subject to that, the DC code requires that all members be given the opportunity to vote. So not just you know those who are able to attend a convention and some such so you know remote voting really does uh equalize the playing field in that respect and, and bring us into compliance with that and the other maria yeah two quick things one telling uh, uh following what maria said to the code oh i i can't remember the term of uh, fundamental transaction or something too but when it comes time to amend bylaws or articles of incorporation, every member has to have the opportunity to, to vote on it. That's exactly correct. Yes. In, uh, in, in fundamental the transaction fundamental. and the membership corporation. We are a membership corporation. Yeah. We meet the qualifications so, so for that. That's right, going to be correct. very interesting how to do that. Um, but the other thing is I never got an answer to my earlier question. Is individual voting going to be overlaid with affiliate voting? Or are these going to happen at distinct times? Uh, no, they, they will happen concurrently, although the roll call vote will we're guesstimating again we haven't done this but we're guesstimating will take about 25 minutes to a half hour the voting will be open for a longer period of time for about an hour but but it kind of has to all happen at the same time because you know we're we're we're, then, we're, we're expecting that uh you know when we get when we get to friday we're, we're hoping to be able to do an election every hour and 15 minutes mm -hmm. You know, okay. so so doing five elections will take you know six hours and fifteen minutes. That's with no breaks. You know, so okay. yeah, and, yeah. So and and so to dot eyes and cross t's, the results of it, of each election is taken by adding together um, the standing vote and the affiliate vote, and uh, the 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 overall winner uh, is determined by. Uh, who's got the most votes now there's an interesting historical point um and and perhaps it will be a relief to people who are uncomfortable with affiliate voting i think there have been two or perhaps three instances in the whole history of acb where the affiliate vote uh and the standing vote were different from one another um it, but it, for it the most to be part very much in sequence yeah they they, they are all right, Mr. Rick, do we have hands? Yeah, we sure do. Bob Acosta, please. Mr. Thank Acosta, you, welcome. Thank you. What a tremendous job you guys have done. I salute you. My question is dealing with vote now. 
you have two candidates running or three, will they be, na- I'm, I'm an old fashioned guy. I use the telephone, but it could be for the electronic ballot. Will you have their names? And how do we handle amendments? Thank you. Uh, this is Maria K. I guess the names are um, listed there. They should be. Maria H., you can correct me with the phone. I know for sure electronically the names are there, and I imagine with the phone as well when they set it up because we uh, the names will be provided to vote now, the names of the candidates. Um, and in terms of, Bob, if you're talking about amendments uh, to the uh, Constitution and bylaws, those are not being voted on at this particular convention. So okay. those would happen um, next convention. So, so, and, if you, yeah. so if you have people from the floor, that we know who the candidate you're nominating committee, right. but we have five people from the floor. They'll get them in the phone. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's they can turn around those ballots. Yeah. That fast. was one Thank of our, you. that was one of our, um, if you, if for anyone too, who's listening, if you look at the recommendations when Connie, that Connie mentioned okay. that are up on the website, on acb.org under news, that was one of our requirements that they would have a reasonably quick turnaround for constructing the ballot to be able to accommodate. Yeah, we, we, Thank we've you, Mr. Acosta. A, a guarantee they're, they're shooting for 20 minutes guarantee no more than a half hour to set the ballot yeah excellent uh mr rick yes diane please okay can you hear me yes real good um thanks a lot everyone it it sounds like you've put a lot of work into thinking this uh, through and working it out um the question i have though is um i'm understanding that there are going to be several elections basically over a number of days um, during the convention so each day is there going to be another email sent out by vote now uh, with a different link to the uh, ballots that are up for that no day? no uh, you, you use the same you wait, use wait, the wait. same go ahead dan if if you wish but what I was saying is, you, you you're, you'll be given a pin number um, and and information at the beginning of the convention, and the, you you will use that same one for all the elections. So the you 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 get this, the you keep well. the same pin, but you get a new ballot uh, right. each time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that was kind of my question. If it was yeah. all going to be done on different ballots, like every Ooh. day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would okay. be confusing. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you, which Diane. is part, which is part of our, uh, our 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 wonderful process, but part of our difficulty is that you don't declare for a particular um, election ahead of time. In other words, you could run for uh, second vice president and get, get get defeated, and then decide you want to throw your hat in the ring for a board of directors position or a board of publications uh, position or so, secretary or treasurer or secretary yeah. or yeah, yeah yeah i mean you you know so so as part of that it's not a set ballot like you would see in a traditional election where the slate is given and other candidates announce one time and then you have a ballot that covers all elections each election stands on its own and everybody is eligible to run for each election yeah mr rick Yes, Chris Coulter, please. Chris. Says she's says she's unmuted. Faithful listener from Washington. So this is this is Jeff. While we're waiting for the next person, Um, 
in sort of following up on what John McCann said, um, it's it's not necessarily that remote voting is hard in and of itself, but it's definitely hard under this current system we have, whereby yeah. you know we have a very short time in which to hold elections. We have to give everybody the chance to vote in different ways. We have a lot of restrictions that we are voting under, and that makes it a very difficult system to operate and make it come out, you know, the way we want it to. Yep. Chris, are you here? Fran, why don't you go, please? Fran? Okay. Fran? Yeah, hi. Um, I'm wondering what, what process you have in place to prevent somebody from voting twice for the same Oh, well, go ahead, Dad. You get one vote for that for your code. So you are given one unique individual code. And once you've cast your ballot with that code for that election, you can't vote anymore. Great. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Sure. You can't vote on the PC and then go back and vote again. Yeah. The phone. And Fran, yeah. you don't live in Chicago. I'm surprised you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got people that'll try to... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rick. Yeah, Chris, are you there? I think she's having trouble with her phone. Uh, Jama Jamaica, please. Yes, this is um, Jamaica, and I have two quick questions. Um, number one being, um, will will the will the two special interest affiliates that I'm a part of will they be able to give? their 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 delicate uh information um get that get that out to to us so we know who um so we know who to contact to let them know who we would like to see in the office and my second question is um about um jaws whether um the 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 um whether jaws would be able to have the um, the check boxes is that is that already set up in jaws yeah. or or do you have to do you have to have a certain um a certain thing you have to set up in jaws to have that happen because i i'm just not sure so to vote now whether the configuration works with john yeah this is Maria. Yeah, I mean, we we tested um, Jamaica. I don't know if your question was regarding versions. Um, you know, I have tended to test with the latest versions of the um, screen readers. So yes, the latest version of JAWS has worked consistently um, with me for me with the ballots. Um, yeah, they're just standard checkbox controls, um, and the names of the you know candidates are associated with them. Um, and uh, in terms of the first, I guess your first question, uh, I imagine the, all special interest affiliates will come up with some way to do well, that, whether, you know, announcing if someone else wants to comment, I imagine they'll just put through their communication channels who the delegate is and how to contact them, but that would depend. I, I think I'm the only special interest affiliate president on this call. Um, and what I would say to Jamaica is none of us on this call can tell you because it's completely up to the each special interest affiliate to determine how they will seek input uh, from their folks. But what I would say to you is 
if your special interest affiliates that you're a member of don't do something, don't reach out, um, I would look seriously about whether I would want to have those people running my special interest affiliates next year. <laughs> and I would also Maria. say, Paul, that uh, you really ought to, if that's your concern, now is the time to express it to the right. leadership of your special interest affiliate. I would agree Many with that. Many of them won't won't be doing something simply because they're new to this process too. So if they don't do something, that's not out of an intent to keep you out of the game. It's more, they're not sure what they're going to do. So, you know, the, yeah. the Braille Revival League had a, had a board meeting and, and, and this did not come up because this, this was not a complete issue. Now, luckily, we have another board meeting coming up in May at which point we will determine um, how we're going to handle um, receiving information. And um, and we will also put information in our publication, which is the Braille Memorandum, which will come out in May. Thank um, you very much. And Maria you, A. here with, with JAWS, um, it works very well with the, the boxes. And then you can go down the page, you can go, the next, you can go back and review, you can change uh, you know, if you review and you say, oh, I'd rather do this than that, you can change it. And you can leave the system without casting a boat and come back in, although here we have a short window. So uh, JAWS, and then with the JAWS, you can ask for a confirmation that when you do cast your vote, if, if you want to get uh, proof that your vote was cast. Mr. Rick? No more hands, Paul. Very good. So. This year is a special year because we're operating under a special set of rules um, that are determined uh, by Washington, D.C. and the emergency powers legislation that is essentially in place to allow us to operate this year. Um, is it premature um, to ask the voter task force what we're going to do next year? Paul, this, Brian, this question, yeah, a couple this things, question came up uh, in our advocacy podcast. So go ahead, Brian. <laughs> yes, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, one, I don't think there's a single member of the task force that thinks we're going to be able to, when we go face to face again, ignore the question of remote voting. This is something we will have proven can be done. It has the added benefit of allowing all of our members to express their opinions and to direct the organization as a membership organization. So I don't think any of us intend to put this, this, you know, back in the back room and forget it once we can get together face to face. How we're going to meld the situation relative to face to face and remote voting, we haven't had that discussion. We've been, our plate has been very full just with this year. Thank you very much. But we don't deny that it's something we're going to have to take up and we're probably going to have to take it up the day after the convention. Um, also, we need to, uh, to keep in mind that at the face-to-face -face convention, assuming we have one next year, we will have the opportunity to bring before the membership uh, a means to amend the Constitution to uh, codify, if you will, how this kind of voting can take place. But if the emergency powers has expired, yes, 
And uh, at, will you have the ability to do the election the way you've done it this year, or will it, will it be constitutionally illegal? I guess I'll uh, express add. Address that to, to actually, Mr. Paul. McGann. That's a that's a very interesting question. Even though it would be a component of an overall election, it conceivably could be, um, because we will not have amended our constitution by the time uh, until after the twenty twenty two convention in Omaha. I'm sure we Correct. actually will be able to meet in Omaha, but that's a good point. Um, the, the fact that any of our election is done in a manner not uh, yet validated by our Constitution and not excused by a, a time-limited provision. Uh, Maria H. here, too. Uh, the, the code requires every member have a vote and that every member then uh, vote on this fundamental transactions so so let me let me throw out an alternative argument maria just for the sake of arguing why can't that be interpreted as saying that if every member is allowed to come to convention and vote at the convention if they're there then you've given every member a chance to vote now maybe no, that's because not it's appropriate a, interpretation because it's you know like it a isn't? poll it's like a poll tax the the, no, the member has to pay has to pay airfare with they have to pay hotel. They, if they have work obligations, family health obligations, and they can't attend. This is been a very argument, and maybe a good argument, but I'm not sure that um, necessarily. Actually, if I could weigh in, the thing, the situation you have here is the relevant provision is 49-405.09. I'm pretty sure that's mm -hmm. accurate, and it it speaks to th things that you do things that you can do outside of a meeting and this is being held inside of a meeting so i think that is the stronger counter argument to the one that maria raises and the, and the one i've endorsed but there is a counter and it's perhaps a stronger than the than the one stronger one than the one you raised jeff although that's an argument as well i think the argument we could make is we're doing this inside of a meeting uh therefore uh, you know, you're either there or you're not there. Although, I, I don't know. I, I really have to write out an analysis. I don't want to do an armchair analysis right. like I'm rendering an opinion. But this is what we're going to have to wrestle with hugely in, in the in the fall. In the and voting on elections really is also a fundamental transaction. That's true. That's voting true. It for is. board for whatever. All of all of these items. And but it would be just it would be just as easy to argue. Maria, that that voting on resolutions or voting on the Constitution and bylaws are fundamental transactions. Oh, as well. Constitution uh, not as bylaws by are. That's why I was uh, but, and, saying and, there should and, be a referendum so, here. Not and as so defined by, by the code, though, Paul. Not as and, the, the but, fundamental transactions are disposal of property, which is a mm -hmm. factor for us. And there are enumerated right. things and resolutions or positions that doesn't come within right. the purview, but amending gotcha. your governing documents does. Amending and but, election of officers under but, but the code we, are. But we have made an arbitrary decision this year to include elections and exclude constitutional uh, amendments. 
So, Paul, Dan, Paul, this is this you had a thought on for this. Yeah, yeah, we I, have, I, but for logistical purposes. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I did have a. We, we, this this actually came up as discussion in in the advocacy podcast today. Uh, Connie and um, and and uh, Pat and I were and Clark were on, and and what really worries me um, uh, right now is, you know, we're going to have virtual elections this year. It's going to open the process up to all of our membership. Yes. If we don't do anything, we then go to Omaha next year and we go back to you have to be in that room on Thursday yes. in order exactly. to exactly. And and what how much does that disenfranchise our people that we're striving to bring in and, and make part of the but beyond the the pure concept, you know, what does it just do from the right spirit? of ACB so where my mind keeps going. And again, I think this is something for John and John and Ray and the constitution and bylaws group to help us with, even though, as, as we said, because of logistical reasons to go in and start discussing massive constitution and bylaw changes in the middle of a virtual convention would just totally, I think, consume us potentially. But, is there something we could do inside our constitution to make virtual voting possible, you know, next year? Uh, you know, right now, at least the, the rule we've claimed that keeps us from doing it is that we require a paper ballot. Could we have one very brief amendment that says, you know, paper slash electronic slash phone. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, you guys will do much better than I will on that. But could you do something there that at least gives us the ability if the membership so chooses to, you know, to vote uh, where everybody gets to be included next year. And maybe we should take, maybe we should take a page out of GDUI's book and have have a separate constitutional vote in May or April. You know, if we want to yeah. give up, just uh, run a special membership run right a special meeting. election, yeah. if you will, outside yeah. of the meeting, it, honoring it is, the code's uh, requirement well, it, of well, fundamental it, transaction that, being that's, open to all. That's, and that's, we what, have I, wording that's what I would in, do. And we have wording in our constitution, and we had assistance from the uh, DC bar, the nonprofit people uh, that helped too. Yeah, right. And there's a open. lot of, of wording here, uh, you know, that it, we don't say a paper ballot. There's all sorts of other wording by electronic, digital, blah, blah, blah. Right. Solicitation yeah. by ballot. There's a whole section. Yeah. And, and in fact, some of the wording here, which is probably not uh, exactly for this thing, but it's having, having electronic electronic, digital, magnetic, wireless, optical, electromagnetic, or similar. It's lifted from the code because I put it yeah. in there back in 2014. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, we've got the, the and, and these are verifiable. Uh, the, the ACB Constitution bylaws, unfortunately, I, I, I think do need to be updated, brought into compliance with the DC code. Amen. Um, yes. And, oh. and that's, uh, you know, maybe Dan, another committee, there's a lot of things that need to be changed because basically you're talking about how, you know, ACB has been doing things, but you better focus on how ACB is out of compliance. 
mm-hmm. with the DC laws, and that's the more important issue. Well, it, and my question is, what what do we need to do when to kind of make that happen? And and, and mm-hmm. yeah, but I, yeah. I do you believe need to start that in August with a constitution with a constitution committee that maybe needs to be expanded to make sure that we have. Yeah. You know, even more people and you might want to do it before the council, you know, maybe, maybe Matt Hanley needs to be close at hand, <laughs> but can we do it after this? Is there an opportunity to do it after this convention, but before the next, I think so. Convention. But sure. do we need yeah, that? We have, power to, that we have the powers like granted to us, you know, non-emergency powers, the regular powers granted uh, to us under the DC code. Oh, so as long as the D.C. code's in place, we could have, you're saying, separate from the convention, have a separate constitutional bylaws. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I should be a regular elections outside of any annual meeting. Right. Yeah, it you, can be a special, a special meeting or a regular meeting. There are different ways yeah. to handle it. And I will say, too, with the D.C., the uh, the um, uh, declared health emergency, the mayor of D.C. just lost her sister to COVID a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think, you know, this is going to be getting extended and stuff, too. Yeah, I, everything we see down here says the same thing in Washington. Yeah. Right. But I, I would the love, I, I would love not- some solutions, proposed solutions or pro- processes for this because I really yeah. am worried about not disenfranchising to- people. Yes. Paul, can you make a motion on Tuesday topics? i could when's the next acb board meeting Uh, what i'm what i'm thinking about though is is whether it would make sense to place all of this information in a single resolution um which you then handled like an election oh you mean the board no the membership Uh, the membership Maria, what was the yeah, how are Paul. things going to be held with resolutions? Uh, yeah, we're, well, the resolutions is going to be uh, voted on the way it was last year, though. Right. So, no, like no, the board, I, I get, yeah. I get that. Yeah. But, but I, I think, I think that what what the board should at least think about is whether there there might be one single super resolution that would that would handle this issue, um, that would be handled like an election. That so would it would just then, be a one amendment to the Constitution and bylaws that would be well, but no, I, authorization to authorization to authorization to amend, but that that that's that's why it has to be a resolution or a motion. It could just be a motion, really, but it needs to be handled like an election, and you probably need to make it a motion so you don't get mixed up with not doing elections that way. I mean, not doing resolutions that way. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Paul. Yeah, okay. but but. If you if you do the simple if if you do the simple motion and and handle it like an election, you have you have an, you'll you will end up with an overwhelming affirmative vote to hold a special constitutional convention prior to the next year's convention. Gotcha. So you can do that at yeah. the end yeah. of yeah. the twenty one convention to hold Correct. a special Correct. Uh, constitutional. Correct. Okay. That's yeah. that's what I do. I, I like that. Very nice. This is this is Marie. And the way to 
Oh, go ahead, Maria. Uh, go I just wanted to quickly, in terms of um, just as an end goal, so people understand, um, you know, with GDUI, we do virtually vote on both board positions and amendments to the governing documents. So there's no reason, you know, down the line, once we have the ACB amendments in right. place and have flushed out the virtual Absolutely. voting, there's no reason why all of it isn't going to be, you know, have a virtual component to it down the line. It, it will. It should. And Rick the way Arthur, to sell and, this is to say yeah. that if you don't vote for it, boys and girls, there's no um, off-site the, voting component that, in 2022. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Because there can't be. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Brian here, quick quick statement on, on this concept. Whether you do it as a resolution or a non-binding referendum or whatever term you want to put it on, whenever somebody uses the phrase constitutional... Um, Convention. The term you use, a constitutional convention. Do you want to open it up to an event, the first time we ever hold such a thing, where any part of the Constitution can be amended? Or would you formulate the resolution so it Emotions, limits, yeah. limits I, I, things to just dealing with the issue of voting? Yes, you're absolutely right, Brian. That's what, that's what one ought to do. I, I always worry in these kind of Wild West times... <laughs> that anything is possible. Suddenly, well, suddenly, uh, sixty people get together and they decide that they'd rather have us called the American Council of Horse Breeders. And you know what? We open the door to it, yep. and it can happen. I, I will I say like though that you need to come into compliance with the code. So if there are other issues that are out of balance. You might need to include them first. You know, probably certain things are absolutely fine, but uh, you know, we're the, the code was updated. What 2011, 2012? 2012, so, I think. Yeah. yeah so you one know. of the one of the things to concern yourself with is learning from some of ACP's history. Our Colorado affiliate and our Kansas affiliates have found themselves in trying to dance to the tune of local codes to totally rearrange the organization so you couldn't even recognize it as an ACB affiliate. So it's, it's and, important and, and, and to me, as Dan said earlier, the real goal ought to be the opening of uh, decision-making to the entire membership. That, that should correct. be the golden goal. That's correct. Right. I, when I, I think it, if when you it keep also it at that scope, it matters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. but you the keep golden it to that goal scope. Yeah. is make it so that everybody can participate. I, I agree. Because if you start getting, well, do we want to do away with the affiliate vote? Do we want to do? We if we go down that path, we're gonna. It'll be. Yeah, we're not ready for. We're not ready. Yeah, for I, 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 I would feel much better if we just go down the path of what we need to change. I like what Maria's saying. The basic tenets that says, you know, mm -hmm. if you're a member, you get the vote. You know, so so what do we need to do to, to make that, you know, work for our members going forward? If we, and, and I'm sure you guys in with your, with your knowledge can craft a motion such that that's kind of what we, we authorize a sure. constitutional committee to a constitutional sure. convention to do, because I think if we get too broad in scope, then we're going to, then we're going to have we'll lose. Yeah. We'll lose yeah, right. yeah. Since this is, you know, going up a podcast and even is on the radio yeah. now, I just want folks to understand that, and coming into the compliance with the code, we're going to lose some of the flexibility that we've historically had. And it's going to force people to make decisions and live by them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in a, I don't know, depending on how 
uh, crazy elections get, we might need to go to plurality voting uh, as opposed to the top two get a runoff because of time constraints. We might need to go to that. Um, and we might I seem to remember just reading something, the word plurality in the code when I was looking at it this afternoon. That's the default position unless the Constitution default? says otherwise, which blessedly ours does, blessedly or, or otherwise, depending on how you right. feel. Right, and there's it. a few and things that we need to make not best practices, but actually put in the Constitution, you know, that we yes. kind of... And, and yeah. the I've... generic term is bylaws now. That's, yes. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Bylaws yes. Yes. We, we also just might need to go... We also might need yes. to go to having people declare, you know, far in advance of the election, and that would be a requirement. Yes, right. right. That's a, that right. becomes a that's right. a flexibility kind of thing I'm talking about, Jeff. In other words, if you haven't right. declared by a certain date, bang, it's over. You know, right. it's just no. like getting your name on a ballot in a state if you're running for office. Uh, right. You know, exactly. Like we it's like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, Seeking office is important enough that you ought to know what you're doing. And and I'll just again, boy, I can't believe how emotional I'm getting about this, but I, I have become increasingly less patient with these Hail Mary candidacies that arise on Saturday, you know, Friday mornings or whatever. Yeah. Somebody decides at the last minute, you know, if it was important enough for you to seek the office, how come you didn't achieve that insight earlier? I think we need to treat seeking office and, and being elected to office in this organization as a matter with sufficient gravitas that you would have considered it more carefully and have come to a decision, not on the spur of the moment. Patrick. Paul. Patrick. I would like to thank you for hosting us. Voting Task Force <laughs> 1.0. I don't know if I'll be around for 2.0, but it's, <laughs> we have some work to do. But this has been a great discussion. Thank you, Paul. Oh, you're welcome. Um, do you want, uh, or Jeff, do you have some final comments you'd like to make? Uh, and, and do you want to tell people how they can send you guys information if they want to? Um, I just have one request. I hope we have another call on special interest affiliate voting, Paul. I know um, I, we're I, plan. I don't. I don't see why we shouldn't. Um, let's plan on it, Jeff. And and I. I'm sorry. I lied. We have another special interest affiliate president. I'm sorry, Jeff. I didn't do it on purpose. That's all right. I've already right. been consulting with two or three others, so it's it's a real issue. Yeah, it is. Um, wait, aren't Paul, you talking about affiliates any, I generally? Think, well, I, I think so. I, I, I think I think affiliates generally, but I think I, I I think the way I would structure it will 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 allow a fair amount of time for special interest affiliates because uh, because I think I think they're harder than state affiliates are because they're not sitting together at convention. They're oftentimes sitting with their delegates. Right. Uh, the right. State delegate. Okay. Well, no. No. To no be wait. Clear. They're talking about for the affiliate elections. Many of the special interest affiliates, John, have their elections at the convention. Right. Uh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Bits has gone away from that model for several years right. now. But but yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, what we've done tonight, I hope, is to explore the complexity of trying to set up a virtual voting system uh, with a set of restrictive rules that are imposed on us by the code of the city where our system is authorized and where we are allowed to conduct business. I think what we've demonstrated is that the issue is not a simple one 
and that none of the solutions that anybody could devise are likely to be perfect. We will probably discover after this election that there are some things that in the future we'll want to do differently. And that's okay because it's all about trying to organize uh, a system where everybody who is involved in the American Council of the Blind has the opportunity to vote. If we can come close to achieving that and then get a 30 or 40% return on our vote, we will have a larger number of people who voted in our elections than we've ever had before. And that would be an amazing achievement. I think that next week I'm going to try to set up Tuesday topics so that we have an opportunity to hear from Janet Dickelman, our convention coordinator, about how programs are being handled this year and what the deadline dates and rules are. In the meantime, I'd like to thank everyone who's listening, uh, and I'd like to particularly thank the Voting Task Force for making this a lively and exciting program. So everyone, good night.